Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Welcome, you wonderful, amazing listeners. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you've had a great day, and it is All Saints Day, also known as All Hallows Day. I want to learn more about that, about All Saints Day. We have Guide Talk coming up this hour, and then the ladies of the roundtable will be up next hour. So our power panel today is Dr. Peter Kapsner, fresh from his trip to Scotland. It'd be nice to have him back on the program Brad Johnson, who works in communications audiovisual here at the University of Northwestern, and Pastor Tom Brock, who is just fresh back from some cancer-type surgery and a colonoscopy all in one week. Fun. <laughs> that. When does the fun stop? <laughs> <laughs> for a while it has. Well, no, I appreciate you telling me both of those items because it's a great reminder for men to make sure they do that that exam. Yes. It's something you can uh, kick to the corner for a long, long time. Yeah. And it's something that you need to do. As much as I hated doing it, why not if it's going to maybe give you 10 more years, you know? Yeah. It's a good uh, good exam to do as much as it's not that pleasant. No. It's not that big of a deal. It's just the prep part that's oh, kind of... That's the bad part. That's the rough part. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's take 60 seconds and then bring on the guy talk. Let us know if you have a, a subject you'd like us to cover. Uh, 877-933-2484 is the text. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Charles Morris with Haven on the Weekend. 1,500 pastors leave their assignments every month in the U.S. because of conflict, burnout, or moral failure. October, Pastors Appreciation Month. And the Bible's very clear that we need to esteem them, respect them, love them. So make sure you take an opportunity to tell your pastors how much you appreciate them, and that will be priceless. Faith Radio's reach continues to grow. Last month, we went on the air in Mankato, Minnesota at 89.1 FM and in Grand Marais, Minnesota at 91.9 FM. We're grateful for your prayer and financial support, which allows us to continue adding new markets to our network. To see a full list of our stations, visit MyFaithRadio.com and under the About tab, click How to Listen. Connecting your faith to life every day. Faith Radio and MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome to the show. It is Thursday. We do Guy Talk and Ladies of the Roundtable most Thursdays. And I always welcome that because we get a group of uh, men that sit around and a group of women that sit around and we talk about meaningful topics. It's great uh, great to have that sort of iron sharpens iron, one man another. So let us know what subjects you would like us to cover. We would love to hear from you. 877-933-2484. Actually, all, tomorrow is All Saints Day. Today is Hollow's Eve. All Hallows Eve, so i got to make sure I get that right. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not the brightest bulb here in the uh, <laughs> on the tree. Peter, welcome back. How was Scotland? Great to be 
Yeah, it was great, Bill. My uh, family's over there for kind of a homeschool semester abroad, so it was nice to catch up with them. My 17-year-old daughter came back with me, so I, <laughs> I'm not the lonely waste of time that I typically am. So it was uh, <laughs> it's, uh, really good to have her back and good to be back. Yeah. So anybody know the, the All Saints Day, which is tomorrow? The history of that? I don't, you know, that's something that I I'd certainly, I am not up to date on. I'd be curious if anybody else knows more about the history of that. I mean, I could hit Wikipedia like the next person, but I, oh, I don't course. have anything off the top of my head. Yeah, I guess it's a festival honoring all saints. Yes. Yeah, known and Catholics, unknown. Catholics, Lutherans, Episcopalians, uh, one day a year we remember the saints that came before us. So often you'll go to a church, and on that day they'll have the people that have died that year listed in the bulletin and it's not uh-huh. that it's not that I mean I'm a Lutheran I don't pray for the dead because I think they're in heaven or hell but we thank God for their memory. So. Okay, and then what do we know about All Hallows Eve, which is today, All Hallows <laughs> Day? What was that you, Brad? It doing was that? scary. That was pretty good. It's scary. Yeah. Anybody know what about that? It's just the night before All Saints Day. I think that's all it means. Okay. Huh. <laughs> well, and I've heard. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but has anybody else heard the idea? that uh, the evil spirits are uh, out in force on a day like today, and the idea of wearing the masks and the costumes actually was to put on something more frightening than the evil spirits themselves. And I'm not sure if that's some sort of old legend that doesn't have any merit, but that would have been my understanding of some of the origins of Halloween. Well, Mexico has the Day of the Dead. When they go to the graveside, bring some food so that the spirits of their ancestors can come and eat with them at the grave. And I I was in Mexico some time ago. I said, yeah, but they don't really believe that happens, do they? And, and, some, and the guy said, oh, yeah, some of them still, still really believe in that. So, ooh. So that's well, it's interesting. You, yeah, it's interesting you bring that up, Tom. I mean, when you look at the perspective of world history and different cultures, um, both in, in Western culture and in Eastern culture, it's far more common to believe that there is ongoing interaction with people who have passed uh, somehow in the realm of the spirit. And you certainly see a lot of evidence of that in Christian history, but in uh, most pagan religions and uh, non-Christian religions have a pretty robust view of the spirit realm. And I don't know exactly what to make of that, but where I just was in Edinburgh, it's uh, it, it considers itself sort of the paranormal capital of the year. And the original religion of Edinburgh was shamanism, and their primary job was to help release people from sort of this intermediate plane between heaven and earth. Uh, that they could then stop haunting the earth and, and find themselves fully in heaven. And so most of the rituals that got blended even with Christianity in that part of the world were from an ancient pagan shamanism. So obviously I'm not suggesting that there's viability in that, but I but I do find it pretty interesting that in, in 2019, we're some of the, the first people that don't necessarily have as robust of a, of a view of the spiritual realm than how it's been for, for centuries, actually. And again, I don't know what to make of that, but certainly in my Sunday school class, we never talked about anything related to like Matthew 26 or 27, whatever it talks about there, that the, the spirits of many were floating around Jerusalem. Um, that it's, it's an interesting thing to wonder about, I would say. Their bodies were raised. I wouldn't say their spirits were floating around Jerusalem. And, and, just, <laughs> and just to be clear, too, for people that maybe don't know this, the Old Testament forbids spiritism, forbids us to try to contact the dead. So if, you know, if people are tempted to go to a seance and go, or go to a psychic and dial 1-900-PSYCHIC, uh, Christians are supposed to stay away from that stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. It is interesting. And you mentioned the Old Testament. One of my favorite stories is uh, when Saul dresses up to go on, you yeah. know, 
in disguise to the Witch of Endor and uh, and apparently wants to, to consult Samuel, who had recently passed. And Samuel is pulled out of the grave and has a prophetic word for Saul about he and his sons finding themselves with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, Saul and his, his children are then killed in battle pretty shortly thereafter. So again, the Bible actually has a lot of evidence of the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. but how we're to interact with it, I think it's funky really quickly to your point. And what's interesting about that story, some people think, well, it wasn't really saw, uh, Samuel that the witch at right. Endor got from the dead, but it was an impersonation or a demon as a masquerader. But, you know, if you read the careful uh, the story carefully, I think I think Samuel really did come back. Now, that's not it sure seems uh, it. again. That's not to say we're supposed to go to spiritists or, or uh, seances. That's forbidden. But in this exception, it looks to me like God allowed Samuel to come back and say, "Saul, you're going to be dead." Yeah, no, it's it is pretty interesting to see see what's there. Certainly, again, these are not the passages that I would have memorized growing up uh-huh. on a Sunday morning. <laughs> well, I'm sure there will be a variety of opinions on this subject. Is it wise to or unwise to hand out candy? Um, is it a good idea to set up a little table in your front yard with hot cider for your neighbors and say, "Be safe, God bless," uh, in order to build community within your neighborhood? What 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 would uh, the wisdom say? And then there's maybe a Christian brother who's got all the the ooey gooey sort of uh, disgusting you know kind of gory stuff <laughs> in his front yard. What do you yeah. say to that person? I got an opinion. My my uh, modus operandi was when I was at my church for 29 years. Some of the years I bought 1,500 Halloween salvation tracks. And we'd put them out on the table in the lobby, and I'd say, everybody, when you put candy in the bag, drop this Salvation cartoon booklet in there, too, so little kids know how to be saved. Mm -hmm. And so I think think sometimes we just got to do whatever we have to to get the gospel out, even though we don't like this Halloween celebration. Mm -hmm. I was always kind of creeped out by Halloween, but I remember as a kid, being very disappointed one year when my parents wouldn't let me go trick-or-treating because, um, you know, that meant no candy. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and so, you know, I think my wife is always, uh, she's kind of approached this as more of, you know, this is an opportunity for us to connect as a family, take the kids out and have a little fun, you know, go out for an hour or two, and, you know, it's not that big a deal. And her and I did at one point when, when my children were little, <clears throat> which is sadly a long time ago. Um, <laughs> but we had a conversation about, you know, the spiritual implications of that. And, and she said, I, you know, I think, I think, you know, sometimes we make too much of it. Let's not give it legs mm. by feeding into it. And she said, you know, just let the kids have fun and, and, you know, and if, if they see bad things, we we can have a discussion about that. And what, what does that mean, you know, as Christians? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? And I bet, but I bet you and your wife did draw some lines. Like I've got a picture of me at age six, as my mom and dad pushed me out the door to go trick or treating, dressed up as the devil. <laughs> now, really? I, I would. You got I, that I certainly do. <laughs> wow. And I would. I would not dress my kid up as the devil and send him out the door. <laughs> you know, there, there you go. Oh, Tom, Isn't that's that crazy. Isn't little Tommy cute? Oh, yeah. So if you have a, 
uh, you'd like to contribute to this, let us know what your feelings are, your thoughts, 877-933-2484. We'll take a short break and be back with lots more guy talk in just a minute. Welcome back to Guy Talk. Dr. Peter Kapsner, Brad Johnson, Pastor Tom Brock, and myself. Just got a great uh, message from Brad's wife. Yeah. Let's hear it one more time. Well, this proves that there's not just guys listening. Just guys talking. Just guys talking, not guys listening. She, she texted me and said, make Halloween what we want it to be. Don't give in to the world's view. Right out of the mouth. Yeah. There you go. Nice job. I mean, I, yeah. was, I was saying in the break that I, twice this week I've talked to an exorcist, Christian man who has been doing this for 50 years because I've been dealing with a person who is a Christian person who's just been believing that she's damned and because she has horrible thoughts about Christ, therefore I'm damned. And just just the way that, I mean, this has been going on for days now, and it's just, you know, we need to... The devil is real, demons are real, and, you know, so there are lines we shouldn't cross as people uh, do or do not celebrate this. Uh, There is a tradition in Des Moines. I was talking to my friend uh, Patrick yesterday, and they go out. um, Do you know what it's called, Rebecca, the night before? Beggar's night? Beggar's night, yeah. Mm. So they have all the little kids go out on a night when the older kids would not be out just so it's a smaller, younger kid event. Go out, go to your neighbors, say hi in your costumes, get some candy, oh. and you have to tell a joke at every house oh. you go to. I, I would imagine the kids use the same joke over and over. <laughs> <laughs> well, how you have that much material, right? <laughs> Little Rodney Dangerfields <laughs> around the neighborhood. <laughs> I don't get no respect. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting because that's akin to, I know how Scotland celebrates it too. My kids were out tonight. And when that phrase trick or treat, which I would have understood growing up is basically, you better give me a good treat or we're going to toilet paper your yard. <laughs> uh, was, uh, in, uh, in Scotland, it literally meant along the lines of, um, if you do a good trick, then um, we deserve a treat kind of right. thing. So the kids oh, yeah. that are dressed up are supposed to do a trick in order to get a treat. I had never heard that interpretation of it before. That was kind of, it sounds like a little similar to what you're describing just now with the joke. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. anybody remember this trick or treat, money or eat? eat. Anybody remember? I do that? remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which means give me money or give me food, but yeah. yeah, money or money or treat. Give me something good to eat. Yeah, that, you know, trick or treat. Yeah, money, or, money eat. or eat. Yeah, give me something, something good, good to eat. eat. There you go. That's it. Then yeah. there would be some people that would be collecting for UNICEF. So you're oh, yeah. put little pennies in. Yep. Yep. I had that. Did you do that? I, I did not, but I, I, I remember thinking that those kids were so honorable. <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> I know. They didn't want candy, just collections. Oh, yes. They wanted candy, too. Let's well, of course they did, but you know, they, they had a mission that I thought was uh, impressive. Yeah, I was. All right. Um, what about a time in your life where um, it was very difficult? And we don't have to think back very far to think about a time when you were stressed out, uh, things looked difficult, harder than usual. Did you feel closer or farther from God in that moment? When I'm in pain, I'm close to God. You're closer. When I'm having fun and everything is going well is when I drift. Okay. 
All right. Yeah, Tom, I, I, I share the same experience. I mean, it's not a, a one-to-one relationship, but I do find that when things start getting stripped away a little bit and revealed for the illusions that they are, uh, that that's when sort of the eternal and the and the abiding reality of God uh, is something that you begin to see because you, you sort of realize, gosh, I really was putting in my, my trust into something that so easily and readily slips away, whether it's my health or, or whether it's the job, uh, a relationship, you name it. Um, I can get caught up and, and, and run for months, you know, thinking life is great, pursuing those kinds of things. And so it is when those things are stripped away. Usually it's a process of anger and bitterness that that strikes first, but then you sort of step back and say, hang on just a minute. And, and that's, it, it can certainly be an opportunity like you described. Do you ever say, thy will be done, but you say it with a little bit of an attitude in your heart? <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Gee, Bill, I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> Isn't that the human because condition, you got, really? You've worked hard to try to hopefully mm, get yeah. God to cooperate with your agenda. <laughs> uh-huh. And as it didn't seem to work out the way you hoped, you kind of went, well, all right, Lord, your will be done. Yeah. And C.S. Lewis, yes. Lewis said something like this. God whispers to us in our pleasures and shouts at us in our pains. Mm-hmm. Meaning that's mm-hmm. when I really hear the Lord is when I'm going through it. You know, I've had that experience uh, sometimes, but th- there have been, you know, the the desert times in life where there's a lot of growth going on, and yet at the same moment, uh, I f- I feel, you know, God, you feel distant to me now. What, what's what's cha- what's changing? What what inside me is is happening? And I'm asking questions, and I'm 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 maybe doubting, and maybe. You know, and so then I'm, you know, I get in kind of a, a searching mode. And then, uh, you know, uh, I've been fortunate to to get to the other side of that any time that has happened to me uh, in my life. And, and I think perhaps some people, maybe some people don't get to the other side of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then, they, then they turn toward apostasy and, mm-hmm. and you know, um, and, and, you know, that... I always come back to how, you know, how, how I can imagine my world without, without a savior. And I, I never can, mm-hmm. I never can imagine my, my world without a yeah. savior. I need that. I mean, I, yeah. I need that savior. And, um, so, you know, even from a, you know, uh, a scriptural point of view, but a spiritual point of view, but even from a psychological point of view, I, I, you know, I always, when I am, the center of my universe, I'm darn sure going to wreck it. Mm -hmm. You know, and Brad, when you talk about that too, and being the center of my own universe, that that for me at least manifests itself in assuming that whatever desires and passions and interests that I have in life, they, they need and should be fulfilled. And maybe I have dreams and maybe I have ideas and, uh, and I sort of then, as you referenced earlier, Bill, sort of expect God to come underneath those things and make them happen. But it calls to mind, I, I remember a teaching that I had heard on Psalm 37 that uh, I think some people may have heard about, uh, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And, and I think some people, myself included, would have misunderstood that, that passage, that if I seek the Lord first, then these desires that I have will be realized. I just need to take enough delight in him. But what I didn't know about that passage is that to take delight literally means to be inclined towards and lean into and surrender yourself to, and then God will reorder the desires of your heart so there that they're go. consistent with this kingdom. And uh, and that's something I hadn't heard before, but 
Uh, Brad, you have that haunting word of apostasy that I think, understandably, people fall into when they have their own desires, and then God somehow doesn't fulfill them, and then they don't trust God anymore. Um, when, when God is giving you the desires consistent with his kingdom, then you can continue to walk it out, and apostasy becomes off the table because you learn to trust. But I'll tell you what, that is a really tricky journey uh, that uh, that is pretty tough to find unless you've gone through suffering and turmoil in your life. Because I'm well, I'm welcoming listeners to jump into the discussion on Halloween. I had another listener named Rachel that said, "My my opinion is that Christians need to be careful with how they take part in Halloween. I think it blurs the lines between the holy and unholy, and often glorifies the wrong things when we take part in it, looking just like the world." Good counsel. I have a lot of respect for Christians that won't touch it. I do too. You know, and and I'm not saying that I'm I'm quite there, but they may be right. <clears throat> I would agree. Let us know if you would like to jump in as uh, as well and make a comment. Eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. I was reading Hebrews chapter two today, and it says in verse one, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Um, and I love it that the writer includes himself. We mm-hmm. must pay the most careful attention. Mm-hmm. Do you know exactly who wrote Hebrews? We don't. We don't. Some people think it was Paul, but we don't know. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that we must pay the most careful attention, so uh, we don't want to drift away with what we what we know. Yep. And he talks about this message of salvation, and I think there was great opposition that they were facing the... the uh, the writer of Hebrews, mm-hmm. and they were being counseled not to drift away. And very similar verse is in Jude, where he says, Contend earnestly for the faith, once for all delivered to the saints. And I've kind of had a difficult uh, day today with, I've been, I'm on a clergy Facebook page with some very liberal ELCA Lutheran pastors. And just the way that it it seems to me they jump on whatever bandwagon is going through the culture instead of holding fast to the traditions once for all delivered to the saints. I mean, is there anything some of these people won't compromise? And uh, grace, that, that's all they talk about is grace. Mm-hmm. And if you try to talk about repentance, you know, you're kind of being a legalist and you're you're uh, talking work salvation. No, repentance is the grace of God to turn away from sin. So anyway... And Tom, I think what's so powerful about that statement, the once for all idea, is that I do know in some of the denominations in which you talk about that their view of God's Word is that it was written for a time back then, but it no longer applies to today. And in fact, they would hold to the idea that the Spirit leads us into new truth. And so as we have new developments and new understandings, maybe from the realms of science or psychology or some of these places, that that will trump some of the historic understandings. And, And that's really why we end up in the places of conflict that we do is it is an understanding of the relevance of the word or lack thereof. And so that yep. statement you just made, the passage you read, is is entirely relevant, that the message of then is still the message of today. And I'll give you the specific context. We were talking about if everybody should go take communion, and they were saying yes, and I said no. And <laughs> this woman, uh, I think a pastor, said uh, the uh, uh, we need to take the epistles with a grain of salt and go with what Jesus said. Well, wait a minute. Jesus inspired the epistles through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there yeah. you go. Let us know what your question or, or um, topic is you'd like us to discuss. 877-933-2484. Guy Talk's going on. Got the ladies coming up next. We'll be back in a minute. 
on Faith Radio. We have a wonderful, wonderful power panel in today. Get my tongue working better. Dr. Peter Kafter is here, Brad Johnson, Pastor Tom Brock. We're talking about today, which is Halloween, and getting some great input from listeners. I love this comment. I don't know this person's name, but we have an awesome opportunity to be a light in some of the darkest darkness on Halloween. I think we can participate in righteousness as Christians, taking advantage of the moment to hand out gospel tracts, show kindness, and form new friendships. Also, how often do you have people coming to your door and you can give them whatever you want? (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. So it's fun to discuss practical ways to share love and truth on this day. Mm. And there's a lot of creative people out there, many of which listen to the show and send messages. So if you have a creative idea, let us know what it is. It's no better time than right now to share some of your creativity with us. We'd love to hear from you. 877-933-2484. In the meantime, I'm going to ask about a time when um, you were really hurt and you needed forgiveness and how God brought you towards forgiveness. We've all had those feelings. Our, our ego is crushed, disappointed. We've been hurt and we've needed forgiveness in our life and how God led you to that. Was it short? Was it, did it take a little bit of time, a lot of time? Well, for me, I, I, for me, I think those are two separate things in my head. Okay. Um, I, will listen I to think both. being hurt and needing forgiveness, I feel for me, were two different things. You know, we all have hurt in our life, whatever those are, hurts of, it hurts from our childhood, hurts from our relationships, hurts maybe from, you know, being bullied at school, what, whatever those hurts are. But I know for me, uh, when I was in those those deep, dark times where God was working on me, at some point, the Holy Spirit would convict me of what my sin was. And for me, it at one point, it got very, very specific. You know, you did this to this person. You said this. And um, I had to... I had to stop and think about it and, and kind of internalize it a little bit. And then, um, and then ultimately, I had to apologize. I apologized to, to God, and, and, and I also had to apologize to the people that I offended. And, um, and God did an amazing work in me and, and healed relationships in ways I never imagined could even happen. So... Um, you know, to me, those are kind of two separate kinds of okay. psychological topics, mm-hmm. I- at least internally. No, I like the way you process that, Brad. That was really, really good. And Tom, in, Peter? In, if I can just quickly share two little dreams. <laughs> Years ago, I had a bad day. Just Sin. one? Uh, what's that? Just, just one just bad day? One. Just yes, one. Okay. 1970. No. Yeah, good, yeah. And, and I, I, had a, I, I got on my knees before I went to bed, prayed for God to forgive me, went to bed, had a dream that very night that there was this man in a long robe with a turban on his head, on his face, praying. And he just kept praying and praying, and he didn't get up. <clears throat> and in the dream, he never got up. 
And I heard a voice from heaven say, his God is an unforgiving God. Hmm. And I took that to be the reason I could get off my knees that night is because I know I have a forgiving God. Hmm. And just quickly to it, uh, another dream I had was, I know you got to be careful about dreams. They're not always from God, but God, the devil or pizza is what I teach is where (laughs) they come from. But, but I had a dream once I was being chased by this ugly little animal it was a little animal, but it barked real loud and scared me to death, chases me up this tree, and I'm up in the tree shivering, and at the bottom of the tree, this thing's going, ar, 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 and I'm thinking, I'm never going to get down from this tree, because that thing will never leave. <laughs> and a Christian came along, pointed his finger at it, and said, in the name of Jesus, go, and it went, ar, 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 ran away. I came down from the tree, and I said to the Christian, but what if it comes back? And he said... Just start praising the Lord. It can't stand that. Mm. And I woke up with two lessons from that. Number one, I can get so into my own tree, I need another Christian to get me down from it, which mm. is why we, well, James says to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that, you know, we confess our sins to God, but it's good to have a confidant that will proclaim to us the forgiveness of sins. But then secondly, I think when Martin Luther would get tempted by the devil or harangued by the devil, he'd sing a hymn at the devil. And I think worship, when we get tempted, it's good to just have some worship songs playing in the background or sing or whatever. Uh, The the person I've been dealing with who's had demonic attack this week, I've said to her, get some Christian worship tapes and put them on in the background while you're around the house. So, Remarkably interesting. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, that was really good. Really good. Yeah, I was, I was thinking too, as as and just processing a bit about times in my life where I've been significantly hurt and uh, and needing to extend forgiveness to the other person and how difficult that can be. Uh, and I, you know, I, my my understanding of sin in the biblical text is that yes, it, it there are specific actions that we do that are sinful, but it's far more of a power that's at work that uh, wreaks havoc in our lives and creates sort of misery and darkness and turmoil. In our lives, and so maybe a working definition of forgiveness would be um, to be able to enter into the redemptive process in a way that the power of that past is no longer determining the realities of my present and my future. And and that's a big definition, except that I know when I'm living in a place of not forgiving somebody, it seems like every time I see them, or every time I think about them, or any time something reminds me of them. I, I get pricked all over again, and 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 I'm wounded again, sort of all over, and I don't it feels like this active power that just never can leave me alone. And and so those times of really substantial hurt in my own life, I, I think forgiveness is a bit of a process too. I think you do it and you do it again and you ask God to help you do it again. And, and uh, over time with that forgiveness, you, you begin to see that yes, those events happen in my life, but they're a little bit more of a scar than they are an open wound. Now I, I never get to forget them. I don't get some kind of holy amnesia but it's not determining my day and it's not determining my future anymore. And so I think when we talk about freedom in Christ and we use all this sort of spiritual Christianese kind of language, uh, I think it's it's really practical in the sense that I, I'm no longer, my, my life and my soul and my spirit is no longer in turmoil about some of the events of the past in increasing fashion. So that's, but that's a hard process. I don't know about how it is for you guys. I just know that for sure, for me, forgiveness is hardly ever a one and done thing, but I do find 
that increasingly there there's freedom that comes as I continue to try to engage with what Dallas Willard calls God's redemptive resources that are that are ever at hand to bring freedom and hope and healing and there's still some active wounds in my own life uh, from from being hurt and there's things that I know are are scars that are no longer determining my present and my future. That's really good. That's good. I appreciate all that, uh, Peter. Thank you. Another listener jumped in with uh, a Halloween contribution, and I'm still accepting those. We love them. <laughs> Let us know what creative ideas you have. This listener said, absolutely share the gospel every chance you have, but as partaking with your little children or any other person, consider Thessalonians flee even the appearance of evil. Mm-hmm. Again, good counsel. Mm-hmm. So don't dress up your little boy as the devil and push him out yeah. the door. <laughs> Unlike your parents. I wonder if that was the costume that was on sale at Walgreens. I, I just don't think they, it wasn't on the radar screen that that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so have you had a piece of scripture in the last couple of weeks or month that sort of the light went off and you were able to start applying it in your life in a new way that you never you had never seen before? Hmm. Hmm. I don't give you these questions in advance, mm-hmm. so this is why there's sometimes a pause. Pause. Yeah. Dead air. <laughs> I've been focusing on Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Yeah. I am realizing that if I want peace, I need to stay steadfast. I need to abide in Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty obvious to me if my peace is drifting and I'm feeling anxious or scattered or upset or full of feelings that I don't like, I wonder if I have stayed steadfast. It's a great word. I know a dear, departed Christian pastor, wonderful pastor who's with the Lord, and he had a parishioner who was very critical and mean toward him, and and this pastor had trouble sleeping. It just kind of wrecked him. I think he might have gone to a counselor for a while. And he said he memorized that verse, Thou will keep keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And he said he just grabbed a hold of that verse and he was able to just move on finally. Wow. Yeah. So that's a verse that's sort of come alive in my heart mm-hmm. in the last month. I don't know if anybody else has one that you've been grappling with or you, you know, going back um, and back to regularly. Places in Scripture talks about pray without ceasing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and I and I always, as a young man, I heard that Scripture. And I'm like, what, 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 what does that mean? <laughs> I got other stuff to do, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? I'm 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 mowing the grass. I yeah, can't, you know, and, games at three. You know, yeah. and what I've come to realize over time is that, and it really makes a lot of sense. It's it's kind of this attitude of prayer, and it kind of puts us in a place. And what I've really realized, at least you know, for me personally, is that prayer, prayer is that kind of that panacea that puts my mind in a place where it needs to be, whatever that is. And maybe that's thinking about someone else. Maybe that's praying for someone else, but maybe it's just about not reacting to crap that's happening in my day. And, and that having that attitude of prayer of being, being in that moment where I'm constantly thinking about, you know, what to pray and what's, what, what praying next. It's just this kind of this attitude, this kind of this overall, and, you know, it starts for me, it kind of starts early in the day and, and I try to continue it throughout the day. And I think 
it's it's not so much a literal like constant prayer but it's like this attitude this this place this this placement that we take and and it's like so many times things happen in our life and we need to be bringing it before God and we don't do that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we cheat ourselves out of that opportunity whatever that is I, and you know too I can remember up until 12 years old what I would say every night in prayer now let me not sleep pray Lord God God bless mommy daddy with you mark me our father in heaven hallowed be thy name and then about is that age, English? That was English. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a Pentecostal, but I speak in tongues. But you know. But then about age twelve or thirteen, I started to talk to God on and off in my head all day long. Hmm. And you know what a different. I mean, I don't wait five. If I if I commit a sin, I don't wait five hours to talk to God about it. I right now confess it. Or if something comes up, I don't wait till midnight to talk to the Lord about it. I mean, just I think. Prayer without ceasing means don't stop, keep doing it. Of course, that to me doesn't mean you're talking all the time. But, yeah. but uh, yeah, I can't imagine not having that privilege. I mean, it's the highest privilege on earth to talk to the creator of the universe. I can't imagine not doing that throughout the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sometimes think of it as a battlefield, and you've got your walkie-talkie, and it's on, and you can sometimes hear the the rumble of the static. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At any moment's notice, you can break in yeah. or they can break in. It's good. Go. Boy, as a technology guy, I love the walkie-talkie talk. That's I know. Awesome. That's, you, haven't, uh, you haven't heard that in a while, have you? <laughs> when you think of someone who's mature in their faith, what do you think their characteristics are? If you were to profile someone, oh, that person's really mature in their faith, what would be, what would be the evidence? Well, you know, I think the, uh, the obvious evidences would be the fruits of the Spirit from Ephesians, you know, uh, long-suffering, you know. Uh, Galatians 5. Patience. Galatians 5, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Galatians 5. I was thinking Ephesians for some reason. Galatians 5, yeah. Patience, long-suffering, you mm-hmm. know, all, all that nice... And you see that evidenced in their life. And you see that evidenced in, your, in their life and all those things that I sometimes fail at, you know. And and so then I, I, you know, I think part of that is given to us so that we can do a little bit of, uh, mm. of self-work, right? I can look at that and go, oh, yeah, I wasn't long-suffering in that circumstance. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know... Um, uh, I think sometimes people use it as a weapon, and I think it's more meant for, you know, self, uh, self, uh, ref- thinking about ourselves and how, how we inter- interrelate in those circumstances. Hmm. And I like the verse. Now Moses was the most humble man upon the face of the earth. <laughs> and when I think of someone who's godly, I just think of someone who's humble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I share that, Tom. Uh, that humility is is a big piece of it too that I see, and I think. I'm always compelled by people that have been walking out the faith a long time, and they just aren't fussed by much stuff. And it doesn't mean they're not emotional. It doesn't mean that they're not experiencing fully life with wide open eyes and a wide open heart. But somehow, they they just aren't fussed by everything that's going on around them. And and I'm not sure if that that Matthew parable about standing on a rock uh, as opposed to standing on the storm uh, the sands applies. But there are just some people that they just are not easily shaken by the reality. And again, it doesn't mean they've turned off or become dull to the world. Somehow they have a perspective that stands in the midst of it all. And and I can think of a couple people in my life that I've known through the course of my own life that were super compelling. It just, it felt like when they walked in the room, everything was going to be fine. Regardless mm-hmm. of what was going on, everything was going to be fine. Well, well, take a little break. We'll be right back with more Guy Talk. Brad Johnson, Pastor Tom Brock, and Dr. Peter Kapsner is the power panel today. We'll be right back.
Well, that settles that, doesn't it? Yeah, we were just on the break, and Brad was saying, how come we're just guy talk? Shouldn't we be the knights or the kings of the roundtable? Because the ladies are coming in next. Yeah. And they're the I like that, Brad. And, and yeah. they're called. That, is, that has bugged me for six months, Brad. Yeah. So, you know, totally. you guys, we, we are like the kings of the, the knights of the roundtable. I like, you know. I thought, that, Tom, you yeah, said you like humility. Um, oops. Yeah, oops. <laughs> <laughs> oops. I like it. I don't have it. That's yeah. the problem. I take it all back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're called the beautiful and amazing queens of the roundtable. Yeah. I don't think they would show up for girl talk. <laughs> <laughs> just my guess. But um, bump. Yeah. yeah. So, is there a person in your life who just really does not understand your faith? And you desperately wish they would. Someone in your life that you've been uh, in a, in a relationship that you know you know this person, you love this person, you care about this person, and they just don't get you. I think about my sister. Okay, she's as liberal as I am conservative. Wow. And when we talk about God, life, it's just rough plowing. I pray for her probably more than any other person ever. And it's, I've been doing this for 30 years. I was wondering if it was going to be inside families when uh, I thought of this question. Mm-hmm. It is for me. Mm-hmm. I think for me, yeah. it's uh, I'm very fortunate in the sense that I think most of the people, uh, you know, and and you, actually the joke of this is I have very few friends, so I don't I don't have a <laughs> you know, you know I don't have a large circle of people to have to deal with you know with regard to this and you know I, I work in a Christian environment and you know. Um, I, I live in a, and my wife is, is a Christian. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's in, and I come from a family of Christians and, and, uh, you know, but, and, and, you know, we're all broken. I mean, we, sometimes we sin and we, we, we do the things that, that families do, but at the same token, I, I think of myself as pretty lucky in that regard. Most people, uh, and for the most part, I think people understand my intentions when I try to do, when I try to do good. I think one of the hardest things from my perspective as a human is when you try to do good and people misunderstand your intentions. And that's really, um, that, I think that's kind of a hard pill to swallow because mm-hmm. I, I think that hurts, you know? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I run into it, um, weirdly enough in academia from time to time. And, and I don't at Northwestern where I teach and, and, um, and I, I love the collegiality that we have and just the, the ease of, of the conversations, but over the years and running in different academic environments, I'm, um, I'm consistently sort of amazed at at the level of arguing that happens about what it means to be a Christian and and what it means to be living in God's kingdom. And I find myself mostly quiet in those situations, because if you bring up an alternative view or or something that you believe is anchored in Scripture that that may be helpful in a situation or even just wanting to learn about the process, it's— it's kind of dog eat dog from time to time, and, and I find myself mostly quiet in some academic environments in which I run because uh, I'll be profoundly misunderstood. Uh, there can certainly be some some pretty profound agendas uh, in in an academic environment, and that's uh, that's where I'm mostly quiet. Uh, it doesn't mean that I think that I'm right about all of what I think about the kingdom, but I find that there's going to be a quite a bit of discord if I decide to open my mouth. So that's that's often when I'm the, the quietest. Maybe a follow up question would be. Why do some people find it so hard to trust God's plan for their lives? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes the truth is we think we know better than God. Mm-hmm. And that, that, is, that is our sin of arrogance, our pride, our prideful mm-hmm. nature. And go, oh, God, if, you know, I, I remember as a child, I asked my father a question. I said, I said, well, why don't, why doesn't God just come to earth and do this amazing miracle so everybody on the planet's going to believe in him? And my dad looked at me and he said, 
he already did. Mm-hmm. The resurrection. Yeah. He already did, and not everybody believes. Mm-hmm. And I th- and I thought, and I thought, you know, c- c- I just thought God needs to show Himself, and He said He did, and I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. that, that's that's pretty amazing. And we we just, you know, we need to accept that for what it is, you know. So. Here's maybe a tie-in question to that. If God regularly communicated with Adam and Eve in the garden, why did he not show up at that time when Satan was showing up to try to talk Eve and Adam into sinning? Mm-hmm. He could have breezed by, couldn't he? Mm-hmm. And they would have went, ooh. He could have stopped the fall. Ooh. Yeah. You know, the, that's the hardest question is... If God could have stopped the fall, which obviously he could have, why didn't he? And I don't know we have a whole answer to that this side of heaven, but I think we got part of it. And I think it's when Paul says, is it Romans 11? God has shut up all people under sin that he might have mercy upon all. And that Adam and Eve knew the love of God, but they didn't know the love of God to the depth we know it since the cross. They didn't know God loved them that much to go that far. And so... You know, some of the why God didn't permit the fall, why God did permit the fall is beyond us. But I think some of it is to show us his glory and his love. Mm. You know, Tom, I think that's a, that's a really interesting perspective. And I think it's such a tricky theological question to, to suggest what you're saying. And yet I'm, I'm always compelled by what Martin Luther King Jr. said, that so often our knowledge comes through contrast. And so we know something because we know what it's not. And mm-hmm. so... A practical example is I, I know it's light in the room where I'm sitting right now because I know darkness. But if you had told me that it's light in the room and I had never walked in darkness, I wouldn't have the same understanding of what light is. And again, I, I wouldn't teach this. I don't I certainly wouldn't think it's necessarily doctrinally sound. There's some holes in it. But I think it's fairly compelling to say, uh, along with Jesus, when he, when he says to the woman, he who has been forgiven little loves little mm-hmm. and he who has been forgiven much loves much. And, and if love is sort of the pulsating reality of God's kingdom, then forgiveness in our sin creates a capacity for love that, you know, you said it interestingly enough, that post-fall we might be experiencing some measure of love and forgiveness that was absent prior. And again, that would be all speculation. I would hate to teach that kind of thing from a pulpit for sure, but it, th- those are certainly the thoughts that I've wrestled with on that subject. Mm-hmm. So, gentlemen, uh, thinking about showing a stranger the love of Christ, that should be an, an unlimited subject, right? We should come up with a million different ways to show a stranger the love of Christ, even if it's something as simple as a, a pleasant expression on our face. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my always... question is, how strange is the stranger? <laughs> That's a good question, Brad. Yeah. But, yeah. but I'll say it again, everybody. Get a bunch of salvation tracks, put them in your car, and your pocket, and just see who God might bring across your path where it just seems right to hand it to that person. Mm-hmm. There was a guy at the street corner looking for handouts mm-hmm. and I had happened to have a, um, I tried to buy some socks and have some stuff in my car to give out and I gave him a couple bucks and I said could you use a new pair of socks he goes oh that'd be great mm. and he said thank you because so many people um, don't even acknowledge me they I wave and they don't even wave back they won't make eye contact with me mm. and it's okay if you don't want to give me anything but I'm still a human oh. wow oh. wow it breaks your heart, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it really does, um, because you feel like if you make eye contact with them, then all of a sudden you might have to yeah. give money, give money, or invite them to your window, or mm-hmm. you know, so you're you're safe to act like you're on the phone, or yeah. you know, you're doing something else. But the truth is, um, 
a simple gesture towards a stranger showing the love of Christ might just be to smile at them. Yeah. Because they already feel like an outcast on the corner with a cardboard sign. Sure. And here's people smiling at me. Mm. So anybody else have any ideas showing the uh, stranger the love of Christ? I um, just right down here on the corner the other day, I was going, buying myself some peanuts, which are kind of my preferred snack during the day. And I had a, an extra jar of peanuts. There was a guy in the corner asking for money. And uh, I said, hey, you, you hungry? You need some food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, here, here's, here's a jar of peanuts. And he said, okay, thanks. And, and the light stayed red, you know, and he's standing there, and I'm getting an opportunity to talk to him. And he says, hey, you want something? I said, sure. And he gives me the peanuts back. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I guess you wanted money. You know? <laughs> he said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but think of, think of other ways we can reach strangers with the love of Christ. Always be open and willing to uh, maybe make a gesture, um, offer them your ear, listen to what they might say, ask their name. Um, find out what their story is. Try to find and make time for that. Guy Talk has been great. Thanks, gentlemen, for coming in. Thank you. Pastor Thank Brock, you, you, will not be, you will not be here next week. I'm going to a missions conference next week. In Florida? In Florida. Oh, wear the sunscreen, <laughs> have, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. All right, that wraps up our time with Guy Talk. We've got the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable coming up next. We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.